Last year was our best year ever. We did $180 million in sales with six agents. This year, we are up 200% from where we were last year. We're on track to do $500 million in sales with 200 transactions. My goal is to do a billion dollars a year in business and help a thousand families through our charitable initiative to give a million dollars per year away to charity. That million dollars will help a thousand families through our charitable initiative. And next year we'll be on track for Top Secrets. I'm David Blaze from TopSecrets.com and this is Top Secrets of Real Estate Mega Agents. If you've ever wondered what the most successful real estate agents do that others don't, you're in the right place. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I am joined by Anthony Margulis, founder and owner of Amalfi Estates, which is headquartered in Pacific Palisades, California. Amalfi is one of Los Angeles's leading independent real estate companies. So I'm really interested to hear how that came about, why it's called Amalfi. And Anthony, welcome to the podcast. David, thank you. You got my name right. That's a hard one. So yeah, to answer your question. So we... um, Amalfi is uh, one of the roads in the Palisades. So there's an area of Palisades Riviera, and it's named after the Italian Riviera. So okay. there's Napoli and Capri, and uh, also the initials, the first two initials of my name. So I kind of liked it for that as well. Makes and sense. Uh, we actually rebranded ourselves. We were AM Realty when okay. I started the company about 30 years ago. Wow. And then about uh, 20 years ago, we branded to Amalfi Estates. And uh, we realized we wanted to go more high end and we wanted to rebrand all of our marketing. And um, so for a lot of your listeners, if you're wanting to break into a higher price point, uh, think about your branding and think about the naming. And we renamed a lot of our, uh, even our sales agents, instead of calling them buyer's agents or sales agents, we call them sales partners. Mm, And that's another way to distinguish. So if ever the team leader or the rainmaker owner is not available for a listing appointment by introducing your sales partner, mm-hmm. it comes off a lot better. Yeah. So those are those are two things that have helped quite a bit. You know, that's really great. A lot of what we're doing here with this podcast is about identifying the small hinges that swing big doors. And I think that's an excellent example of it, where you're, you're taking something and somebody might look at that and say, well, what difference does it make? What difference does a name make? But it makes a big difference. I mean, if you talk about going from AM, which could say morning to people, or it's your initials or whatever it is, to Amalfi Estates, just the word estates implies something, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. And it's just, it's branding everything. It's going through and and realizing if you do want to hit a higher price point, what you need to do, everything from your clothes, you want to cater to the clientele, the cars you drive, you want to join the groups and associations that, whether it's the polo club or whether it's you know the yacht club or hang out in different functions where you're going to be connecting with more high net worth individuals, right. really. Of course, the one thing I'm always curious about is how does someone go from starting in real estate to becoming a mega agent and ending up at the Yacht Club and things like that? But before we get there, for people who are just getting things rolling, I'm curious, what is it that prompted you to go the independent route? Because that's fairly unusual these days, isn't it? Yeah, it is unusual. I started my real estate company. I actually started, I had a real estate development company. started that about 32 years ago. And I started a mortgage brokerage uh, about 29 years ago, and then started a residential brokerage about 28 years ago. Wow. So I never worked for a real estate company before. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I didn't know, David. So when I started off, I didn't have a mentor. I kind of self-taught myself a lot of things and um, just looked at real estate from a business perspective and from an entrepreneurial 
perspective. Right. I've never door knocked. I've never cold called. I wouldn't really know how to do that. But I know a lot of people are very successful. That's the great thing about real estate. There's literally a hundred ways to be successful. And that's what's so great about our industry. So you've got to fill us in on that. No door knocks. And so how did you get started? Yeah. A lot of our business is based on referrals. So I like to say I've talked more people out of buying and selling homes than properties I've, I've sold. Okay. And, and I've helped 1,200 families buy and sell homes in my career. We've been very fortunate. Um, I personally sold $1 million in real estate. I'm sorry. You, you cut out a bit there at a, at a key moment. Oh, I'm sorry. You said you sold how much in real estate? Oh, I've sold, I personally sold $2 billion in real estate. Okay. Yeah. And helped 1,200 families. I'm glad I asked so, that because that, that part got, it was a little clippy <laughs> there. I, okay. Sorry about that. It's always that key moment. It's like, what did he say? <laughs> I, yeah. I had to ask you to repeat it. So, so referrals, obviously, when you get to the point where you are, that's obvious. In the early stages, though, you said you didn't do cold calling in the early stages. So you're starting out. Take me back to the beginnings. How did you start out? Yeah. So I started off, I had a, a real estate development company. So I was familiar with the residential real estate from that background. Then started a mortgage company. So knew the numbers, knew the financing end of it, and then realized it was natural progression to go into residential real estate. We actually started as a buyer's only real estate firm. AM Realty was buyer's only. Okay. And we were buyer's only for about literally eight or nine years. Uh, where if someone wanted to list with us, we would say, no, we're only buyers only. And it was a niche. It was a niche market. We would refer out the listings that we had. And then several of the listings we referred out, the clients would say, look, the agent you gave me was great, but nothing like you. We think you're doing a disservice by not doing listings as well. Mm -hmm. So we rebranded to the luxury Amalfi Estates and started taking listings as well. And what we found out, I mean, the reality is most salespeople, David, tell the seller or the buyer what they think they want to hear. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're starting off and they're not as confident in themselves. They don't want to lose business. But the reality is our, our business motto and what's been held very well for us is we like to over-deliver and under-commit. Hmm. And most salespeople do the opposite. You know, When they meet with a new seller, they're like, I'm going to get you over-asking in 24 hours. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm much more conservative. Are you familiar with the DISC assessment? Yes. Yeah. So I'm a high C. Okay. 90% of agents are high I's. Mm. So I'm a high C. I'm very much in the analytics and the data. So I literally have talked hundreds of buyers not to buy certain properties and hundreds of sellers that may be a not good time to sell. And those sellers have waited and the market has recovered over the last few years. And they've made hundreds, if not millions of dollars by not selling when they did. Hmm. Um, so I think giving that advice, clients realize that you're a consultant and you really care about what's in their best interest. Right. Because everyone else is just in it for the commission mm -hmm. and they get what's called commission breath mm -hmm. and they're gonna just do what they need to do to make the sale. Right. And I think smart clients really see through that and they realize that maybe the agent isn't looking after my best interest. Mm -hmm. So if I can tell any, any agents right now listening to this call, you know, just think and, you know, it's hard when you're starting off because that commission's a lot of money and you may have gone three or four months without any income. But as long as you really do what's in the client's best interest, you're going to have clients for life. They're going to refer you so many clients. So I right now, 82% of our business is referral based and we get, I get at least one referral a week 
from past clients, warm referrals. Right. Without even asking. Like I don't I don't ask for these referrals. Right. They call up and they say, I, you know, I have a buyer, I have a seller you need to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that should be everyone's goal, not to buy leads, but eventually and it doesn't happen overnight too. I mean, people think, oh, I'm gonna be an instant success. I'm gonna instantly sell these high-end properties. And yeah. it's taken 30 years to get to where we're at. Yeah. So. Exactly. So in those early days, when you were only representing buyers, how did you find those buyers? But because we had the mortgage company, a lot of those, a lot of those people there were referred to us. Okay. And usually I'm really big into networking. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I was in several different networking groups. I started several networking groups mm. and there are so many opportunities out there. Going to real estate conferences is great because a lot of times, you know, you go to these conferences and you meet people in other areas and they like you and they can refer you business. Some of the best networking groups and people haven't, haven't done this, but we, we've done it very well. I started one of the most successful real estate networking groups in Los Angeles. I invited the founder or the top agent, David, of each major real estate firm in Los Angeles. Mm, nice. So people think your competition is your competition. Mm-hmm. Competition is not your competition. So most people think, why would you invite your competition to a networking group? Mm -hmm. So what I did is most of them are in non-competing areas. So people will set up networking groups if they're, let's say they're a Remax Mm -hmm. or they're a Keller Williams or they're a Coldwell Banker. They'll invite people in their company in other areas. I thought it'd be nice to invite the top agent or the founder of each major real estate firm in Los Angeles. So we had 19 different firms represented and we would meet once a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, during COVID, we, we did it via Zoom, but we would share best practices. We would share off-market listings. And what we realized, there's so much business to go around. It's the plentiful mentality, David. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of agents who maybe are not as forward-thinking have a scarcity mentality. But if you have the plentiful mentality to know there is so much business out there, I want to share my ideas with people in my marketplace. They're going to share ideas back with me. And, and there's a hundred ways to be successful. Mm-hmm. So some are doing things online. Some are doing, you know, retargeting ads on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are doing, some are doing door knocking. Some are doing expired. Some are doing, you know, estate planning attorneys and divorce attorneys and business managers. And so gleaning those ideas from what they're doing and sharing those ideas has uh, been phenomenal for, for our book of business. So I highly recommend it if you haven't done it, but, but time it wasn't overnight. Yeah, definitely took some time. Exactly. So one of the biggest challenges right now for many agents at the moment is getting listings. There are a lot of buyers, it seems, and not enough inventory. That's the big complaint going around. So how do you and your team address that? So uh, I'm a contrarian thinker. It helps. There's no such thing as low inventory. Okay. There never has and there never will be. Right. When no matter what area you're in, Every expert and every agent is going to say there's a lot of inventory. My belief is if you look at the number of sales in the last 12 months mm-hmm. versus the previous several years, more home sales have sold in the previous 12 months than any time in the last five years in almost every single market you check. Mm-hmm. So the question is, if more homes are selling, do we really have low inventory? We don't. Mm-hmm. They're just selling quicker. Right. So it gives the misconception that there's low inventory. Right. Okay. So once it's phrased that way, yeah. and once people really realize it's not a low inventory really issue, but 
I have done several podcasts and seminars on how to find off-market properties, mm-hmm. on how to find properties that maybe were not available before. I've set up our own database of off-market properties mm-hmm. uh, for our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so currently in our marketplace, there's 100 properties currently on the market in Pacific Palisades where our office is located. Now we actually cover all of Los Angeles and we've been growing because we have a partnership with Zillow uh, through Zillow Flex. You may have heard of that. Uh And that's been feeding our business quite a bit. But we have an off-market database of 100 properties that are off-market. So we have 100% of inventory that's not even on the market because we've been working it with our past clients. Mm, Really, really valuable. Other ideas that to find, uh, to answer your question about listings, there's a couple websites that really focus on listing leads versus buyer leads. So one of them is Homelight, great referral source, uh, really good quality leads. It's in every single market in the country. I think they have fantastic listing leads. Other ideas that we've done to generate additional leads that are kind of creative, we go to Starbucks and we didn't do it during COVID as much, but now that COVID's kind of ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to COVID is we would go to the, you know, whatever the local coffee shop is and the area your agents are, are working. This works too, David, if they want to break into a higher price point. So if let's say they're working in a neighborhood of $300,000 homes, but this neighborhood next door is $500,000 homes, they can go to the local Starbucks or coffee place. We give $500 to the manager there and say, look, the next 30 people in line, we're going to buy their coffee. <laughs> and we sit down at a table with myself and one of our sales partners. We have our, our laptop open with our company name branded on the back of the laptop. Mm-hmm. And they have a little card that says, in the spirit of giving, we want to give have a free coffee on Anthony at Amalfi Estates. And they give them a little card. And then they point to our table. And then people come over to our table. And we're able to meet 20 or 30 people we would never have met before who are incredibly appreciative. Right. Most of them live in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. And for a $500 investment, you're able to meet some amazing, amazing people. And we've sold several homes that way. So it's a very inexpensive way to meet a lot of people fairly quickly. That's I'm happy probably. to share any of the collateral materials that we have that may be helpful. The cards that we give to Starbucks or any of the marketing pieces that we use. I'm happy to share those. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. You hit on a really important point, which is that you're choosing a Starbucks in a very strategic location on this. Yeah, it's important to be intentional. And the things that I I teach our team is to leverage and squeeze every bit of marketing and and creative marketing. I'm not one to be promoting my listings on social media, price reductions, open houses, because I think as in a general rule, people are inundated from every real estate agent they know, Mm -hmm. and you want to provide value. So if you're a buyer or a seller, are you going to really care that Anthony has another new listing or Anthony has a price reduction or Anthony has an open house this weekend? So one thing you'll note when you go on our our Instagram or Facebook, we try and provide things of value. What's going on in the market? What is statistical data showing us? What's the potential appreciation? What are interest rates doing? What are ways we can market homes in a certain way to get more money for them? Very creative ways. Another thing that we do is we give 10% of our commission to charity. So we do that not for marketing purposes because that would be disingenuous and we won't have to give 10% in order to get the same marketing we get. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of agents give $100 or $200 or they give 1%, but we just wanted to really uh, speak to helping the community and almost like a tithing 
David, if you will. So we're really fortunate to be able to give 10% of our commission to charity and, and our clients choose the charity from one of five charities. Nice. And it's much better marketing how you helped homeless or kids with cancer or rescue dogs that are going to be put down as a way to say, look, we've been very fortunate to do that mm -hmm. as opposed to look at me. I'm the number one agent in my market. Right. Look at me. I've sold this much property because that's all about me, me, me. And the more agents can get focused on, on the opposite of that, I think the more successful we'll be. Yeah. And at this point, you've donated more than a million dollars to charity as a result of that program, according to your website. Yeah. So as of last year, we had six agents on our team and we gave, we've given $1.4 million in just five years wow. from those agents. Now we've been growing this year because of our connection with Zillow Flex. We've hired 22 people in the last year and we're, okay. we're still growing. We have a very successful model. Our average agent on our team this year is on track to do $25 million in home sales. And we have some agents on our team that are on track to do $70 million just themselves on our team. So uh, we've created a very successful model. Yeah. So if anyone's listening and wants to, and wants to, uh, is in the LA market, <laughs> we're happy to talk to them. So. Okay. No, that's good to know. I'm sure there are people who are interested in working with a team that will allow them to grow and be where the listings are. So you mentioned what some people consider to be the dreaded Z word, Zillow. <laughs> and one of the things that I like, you said it earlier in this podcast as well, you're a big believer in not looking at what many people perceive to be competition as competition. And so this thing that you've done with Zillow now has given you an ability to reach people and get listings that you wouldn't normally get. Is that correct? Yeah. The average agent, David, in our marketplace, mainly the West side of Los Angeles, the average agent typically will sell two, maybe three homes a year. Mm -hmm. Our average agent is selling 20 homes a year. And so the reality is, yes, Zillow has a high referral fee, 35% in most areas. But we went from selling an average of two homes a year through Zillow. And then once we joined the Zillow Flex platform, in the last 14 months, we sold 46 homes. Wow. So, you know, the reality is all those referrals that we've closed homes generate a minimum of 2.5 additional clients, whether that's buyer referrals or listing referrals. Right. So those 46 will have generated an approximate another 110-ish additional clients we've never have had before. And then after two years, you don't pay any additional referral fees. The agents are getting additional experience. It's just a win-win all around. Yeah. So... I know some people look down on it, but everyone has their own business models. And uh, that's one of our revenue streams in addition to all the referrals that we're getting. Right. So, so at what yeah. point did it occur to you that you had reached mega agent status? I mean, first of all, how would you define it? Do you define it by number of homes sold? Do you define it by GCI? How do you define what mega agent is? I don't define that. That was your... <laughs> Yeah, you named it mega agent. I don't know. No, um, look, the three things we look for when we hire David are um, coachable, hungry, mm. and most important, humble. Nice. So I would never, ever in my wildest dreams call myself a mega agent yeah. or a top agent. Or I'm learning every single day, and uh, the minute I stop learning, there's a problem. So every day I'm learning, every day I'm improving, every day I have a real estate coach. And uh, people say, well, why do you need a real estate coach? You know, Tiger Woods has a real estate coach. Yeah. Michael Jordan had a real estate coach. 
every major athlete has coaching. It's so, so important. And you know this, it's so important and we can always improve. We can always get better. So I cringe when someone says you're a mega agent because that goes against the humility. I've done this for 30 years. I think I finally know what I'm doing, but I'm still learning every day. And um, my job now is mentoring newer agents because I don't need the ego and the status Mm-hmm. And or or the money for that matter. I'd rather mentor new agents so right. they can have amazingly successful lives. Mm-hmm. We do vision boards for every agent on our team. Nice, we do business nice. plans. Uh, we meet quarterly to make sure those vision boards and business plans are in alignment. But the satisfaction we get now, and I think Gary Keller said it best. You know, you your first goal is to dream to make a million. Then you make a million. Then you help others make a million, and then you give a million to charity. So, or something in that order. Mm-hmm. And I only heard that in the last couple of days. I'm like, wait, well, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I've already given more than a million to charity. So you're ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so the mentoring aspect, David, I think is so rewarding. And, and I think you see it, you're meeting some amazing people and it's just giving back to the community and, and making a difference in people's lives and changing people's lives through, through real estate. Those points that you raised as far as the type of agents that you like to work with or you're willing to work with is so spot on. Because as you indicated, I talk to a lot of people, I've spoken with a lot of agents, and there are people who are relatively new to the industry who already think they know it all, which is practically obscene, right? It's like, how can you know it all when you're just getting started? I've said for years that if I can't learn something new from everyone I meet, it's my fault, not theirs. And so I completely subscribe to that same way of thinking. And for anyone who's watching this or listening to this, it's just such a huge takeaway that when you're able to do that, to focus on what am I going to be able to do to accomplish the result that my client is looking for and make it about them and not about me, it's hard to lose. Yeah. One of the best interview questions that we found, and we're learning, you know, we've, inter- we've hired a lot of people this year. We've done hundreds and hundreds of interviews and we have a five interview process. It's slow to hire and quick to fire, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty intense interview process and only about 5% of people make it through from the first interview to the last. And we have a culture interview on the last round where we have four or five agents on our team and I'm not on that. And they do a culture interview. And if they say this person's not a good culture fit, they don't even need to know the reason. I will just say no problem because I trust our team that much. Yeah. But one of the interviews in the first round that we do we ask them, why should we not hire you? <laughs> okay. And first of all, they're thrown because they're expecting you to say, why should we hire you? Yeah. And if someone says there's no reason we sh- you should not hire me, the interview stops. And I say, thank you very much. Okay. Because it goes into the humble. Right. And to the coachable. Because and then I usually say to them, I go, just so you know, I can give you 10 reasons why you shouldn't hire me. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have any reasons why I shouldn't hire you, then there's probably a problem. Now, can they still come up with them at that point? Do they get a second chance? Um, <laughs> you know, I'll ask just more of the coaching moment so I can coach them mm-hmm. just because I want to help. I, you know, I want to help people. They, right. they may not know, but yeah, I'll, I'll ask just out of curiosity. And if they still don't come up with any, then I go, well, let me give you several that I can give you. <laughs> yeah. I think, oh, I think about them, about them. <laughs> you're not humble that's number one <laughs> yeah that's not, that's what i usually say i'm pretty direct even though i'm a high c i'm pretty direct and uh i have no filter so i think people would rather appreciate 
honesty and direct feedback than not. Yeah. Well, I think so too. And when you're running the type of organization that you are, people are either going to be on board with that or they're not. When you mentioned the idea of everybody having a vision board, I imagine that there is probably a fairly large percentage of the people that you talk to who are like, what is that? Do I need that? Do I want that? Or, oh, how corny or something like that. And that by itself is a tell. I mean, that will tell you quicker than anything that if they're not familiar with what that is... And if you explain to them what that is, and then if they're dismissive of it, that's easy. <laughs> that makes it easy. Yeah. But and the other key, the key things too, in the interview, we ask about their, their vision board and, and their goals. If people don't have tangible, trackable goals, measurable goals, mm-hmm. it's a big aha moment. And I usually tell them that, you know, someone says, I want to be a better person, or I want to be successful, or I want to connect with my sphere better. All those things you can't track and you can't measure. Right. And the other time, it's a really important. Most people start their vision board or their business plan, David, in January. Mm-hmm. And that's way too late. You need to start it in October, the year before, mm-hmm. because your subconscious is going to be thinking of all the things you need to do right. in order to, to make sure it's successful. January is way too late. Mm-hmm. And then you have to check it regularly. And I recommend putting your vision board up in your bathroom or your closet or something you're going to see on a regular basis. So your subconscious picks it up. Mm-hmm. Um, we check them quarterly with our team and we go through and we see how it's going because some people may want to adjust their vision board. Like I thought I really wanted to do for sale by owners, but I realized I don't enjoy for sale owners. <laughs> I'd rather work with maybe expires or maybe with probates or something like that. So it's, it's, it's okay to adjust uh, your, your vision board and your business plan as well. Yeah. I think for most people, at some point, you have to do that. You've got to adapt to whatever's going on in the world, in your environment, and all that stuff. Yeah. And to know that vision boards work, the other thing that's a really good takeaway is creating a spreadsheet, Excel or Google or whatever platform you prefer, of your accomplishments. And looking back in the past year, and people may think it's corny, but when you look back on where you started, wherever that is, if you're in real estate, one year, two years, three years, and think of all the things you've accomplished, not just in business, but in personal life and writing them down. It can be after the fact, right? What did I accomplish in the first six months, six and a half months of this year? Maybe it was, wow, I just got my real estate license or I just did my first listing or I just I had the courage to call people for my college class about that I'm in real estate. And you start writing them down. I've done this now for 25 years. And I look back at my accomplishments from the beginning and it, it all builds on each other. It's like a foundation. And you, if ever you're down, because we all have down days, right? One of my past clients just went with another agent or and a big escrow fell out. And you read your accomplishments from the last couple of years. There's nothing better to lift yourself up than to look back at what you've accomplished. It's a phenomenal exercise to do if people aren't doing it. Really, really swear by it. And, and one of their last testimonial for vision boards. Last year was our best year ever. We did $180 million in sales with six agents. This year, we are up 200% from where we were last year. We're on track to do $500 million in sales with 200 transactions. And my goal is to do a billion dollars a year in business and help a thousand families through our charitable initiative to give a million dollars per year away to charity that million dollars will help a thousand families through our charitable initiative. And next year we'll be on track for that. $500 million this year. 
will be on track for a billion dollars a year with a small team of 30 agents to do a billion dollars a year. And that's the legacy we want to leave. And that's the difference we want to make. That is amazing. So Anthony, let me ask you this. What is an ideal day to you? And how does that compare with a typical day? So ideally, any agent should be doing what they love to do and what they're good at. What they love to do and what they're good at. So a lot of the good business plans will have a quadrant section and ask their friends to say, you know, what are things that you're good at? What are things that you don't enjoy doing? What are things you need to improve upon? Anything you're not good at and you don't enjoy doing, you should delegate to an assistant. Right. And 90% of what a real estate agent does should be delegated. So we require on our team, all of our agents have to get an assistant within a few months of joining our team. They right. have to. They have to learn how to delegate. They have to learn how to be a leader. They have to learn how to manage their time efficiently. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, my ideal day is mentoring our team, is meeting with the clients that I choose to work with and spending time with my family. And those are the the idea. And if I'm not doing those things, I have to readjust it, right? Right. Because then I'm doing things I shouldn't be be working. Yeah. Because I'm a high C, I love spreadsheets and I love data. Right, okay. (laughs) And my team is like, it's spending time on your spreadsheets, <laughs> even though I love it, even though I love it. So it's finding the highest and best use. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, every agent has a superpower and finding out what your superpower is and what you do better than anyone else. And it may be making connections or networking, or maybe it's showing the house, or maybe it's writing those offers. You know, there's so many things that each agent does better than anyone else. Finding out what that is only doing those things and delegating every single other thing to someone else who they love to do that. So if someone doesn't enjoy door knocking and someone doesn't enjoy spreadsheets and someone doesn't enjoy sitting open houses, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. delegate that to someone who that's what they love to do. And that's their superpower. Right. All right. So that's your ideal day. Now, how does that compare with a typical day? It's pretty close. It's not too far off. That's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> it only took me 30 years, though. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, but you're getting there or you've gotten there. You're to the point where you've been yeah. able to create a lifestyle that matches up with what you wanted it to be, however many years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's close. It's not perfect, but it's yeah, close. And the other thing is, when you find good talent, mm-hmm. hire that talent, even if you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. So we had five agents on our team, and I hired a director of sales and operations. Mm-hmm. And it was expensive and it was a risk because you're like, how am I going to pay this person? It is the best hire I have ever done. Mm. Um, So we've hired a director of sales and operations. We've hired a marketing coordinator. We've hired an ISA. We've hired a lot of support staff. And so if you see someone who has amazing talent, Mm -hmm. even if you don't have an opening for that person, hire that person Mm. because you're going to regret it later. And uh, I I really, really believe if hiring good talent is the hardest thing to do. Right. Well, speaking of that, what are the primary reasons that people generally give you for working with you? In other words, you're talking to people, you're having these interviews, you're putting them through an interview process that is probably very different than what they're used to. You bring them into your organization. What are they telling you are the reasons they either wanted to work with you or they're currently working with you? We have a very unique team, David. We have a team of superstars. Every agent on the team is a superstar. Most teams and most companies the top 10 or 20% do 80% of the business, the old 80-20 rule. Right. Then there's a bunch of people at the bottom who aren't doing anything. And then there's a bunch of people in the middle who are kind of floundering. Mm-hmm. Our office, and we, we 
we had taken a long time, but over the last year, we built it. So it's all superstars and it feeds off each other. Right. So, so we have a Slack channel. I don't know if you use Slack or not, but it's Enjoy a great it. communication tool mm-hmm. between agents. And the goal is that every agent on the team should be writing at least one offer a week. And they see on the Slack channel, they wrote two offers and they wrote three offers. And it's the culture of productivity. It's a culture of productivity. So they all get excited with each other's success. And it's the plentiful mentality. So my coach told me this once, and I think it's a great analogy. There's a river of business. So ask any of the agents in your marketplace or on your team, how many millions or billions of dollars of business happen, whether in Philadelphia or Boston or New York or Los Angeles? And the number is probably, you know, $20 billion or more of business. All you need is that small piece of that pie, right? Right. You need 20 million or 50 million or 100 million or whatever it is. It's like one hundredth of 1%. Mm-hmm. And the river of business is always flowing. It's right. always flowing. I don't care if it's a down market, if it's a hot market. It doesn't matter the market. People always have to buy and sell homes mm-hmm. because people pass away. It's the four Ds, right? They die, they divorce, they have debt. I mean, it's all, it's all those things are going to happen regardless. So all you need is put yourself in that river of business to grab that small, small percentage because there's so much business going around. Right. And they just have to put themselves in those situations where they're, they're meeting the business managers, they're meeting the divorce attorneys, and they're meeting the estate planning attorneys or the networking groups or wherever yeah. because there's so much business to go around. All right. I know your time is limited today and I want to make sure that we wrap up on time here. I've got one more question for you and then we'll wrap up. At this point, and I know you're big on looking at all the positives in life and in the market and everything like that. And with that in mind, every day, anyone who is in business is going to have challenges that need to be overcome. So at this point, what are the challenges that you find are requiring the most focus? So a lot of agents look at challenges or what are the negatives. Nothing is ever a challenge. It's an opportunity. Um, So I don't have any challenges. I have opportunities. I know it may sound corny, but it's just a mindset. So every single thing is an opportunity. What opportunities do I have? I have great opportunities. We need to hire 20 more agents. I really would like to help a thousand families through our charitable initiative. Right. And I'd love to be able to sell a billion dollars a year in business. And I'd love to mentor a bunch of newer agents so they can reach their financial goals. Right. Those are the opportunities. You know, it's really interesting because when you started saying that, you know, there are no challenges, there are only opportunities. I was like, how's he going to bridge the gap on that? But you did because the things that you just explained there, your goals, your opportunities, the things you're looking to do to a lot of people would be like, oh, I have to hire all these people and I need to get to this level of sales. And they look at it as challenges and you're just saying it's an opportunity. It's a very interesting way of flipping the paradigm there. Well done. Well, I mean, that's how I live my life. So this isn't artificial. This is genuine. This is sincere. It's how I live my life. Uh, I have not been sick in 10 years. When people say that they're sick, then they start feeling sick. If people say they're tired, they start feeling tired. I think it's a mindset, but I literally haven't missed a day of work in 10 years. So I think it's a lot of it's mental. It's a lot of it. It's how you view things. And, you know, if you go through life and look at everything as an opportunity and everyone you meet, what am I going to learn? What you said was perfect, David. Everyone you meet, you should learn something from. You know, there's good in everyone. Yeah. There's good in everyone. So. There is. And you can also learn from the stuff that's not so good. 100%. So you got to learn something from everybody you meet if you don't, you're not paying attention, right? 100%. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. I really appreciate everything you've shared here. I had a feeling when we were first talking that you're going to have some great things to share, but I really appreciate that. If people want to reach you, what's the best way for them to do that? Our website, amalfiestates.com. And they can email me, anthony at amalfiestates.com. And I love to help people. I go to a lot of conferences. Hopefully, I'll run into some of them at one of the real estate conferences coming up. That's awesome. All right. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Increase sales, improve margins, and grow your business. Guaranteed. Top Secrets. Topsecrets.com.